The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and we finally have Giants football coming up this Monday. The Giants are facing off against the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. Kickoff is at 7:10. Chris, we, we finally made it. We finally reached this point. How, how great is it to actually have a Giants game coming up to not only preview on today's show, but to get to watch the full season just coming ahead of us. How great does that feel that we finally reached the point after what feels like the longest offseason ever? It is. It's definitely been the most surreal offseason ever. It still doesn't feel like there's going to be football in less than a week. Like it. It's almost difficult to get myself in that mode of, okay, we game week grind, let's go. But yeah, it's happening. Yeah, it's finally happening. We've reached this point where we can finally watch the Giants play, and we weren't entirely sure if we would ever get to this point. There's been nothing but doubt since March. There's been ups and downs in being optimistic on the season starting, but we've overcome all of that. We now get to see our team, the New York Giants, play. That means this is the first of many preview shows throughout the season. This Pittsburgh Steeler team is not one that the Giants can take too lightly. Despite them missing out on the playoffs last year, they are talented in every single position group, but because they did not have Big Ben last season, they underperformed significantly. A guy who underperformed, I think, because of not having Big Ben is Juju Smith-Schuster. Last season was a huge drop-off for him, missing a couple games because of injury, only having around 500 receiving yards despite having an explosive start to his career. That drop-off, though, Chris, I'm not entirely too worried about that. I think once we actually see Ben Roethlisberger come back, he is going to go back to being the legitimate receiving threat for this Steelers team that we've known him to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I think the Giants are going to have their hands full 
with Juju Smith-Schuster, especially in this first game. Ben is going to be He's going to be fired up to play. I think Smith Schuster is going to be fired up to play. He is he is not the most dynamic athlete at wide receiver, but he is a very detailed wide receiver. He is a guy who knows how to use his routes as a weapon and he knows he knows how to win at the catch point. You know, he doesn't drop the ball all that often and if a cornerback isn't ready for him, he can bully a defensive back. And you know what? He, he's got some help this year too. Right. They're adding Chase Claypool into the mix after drafting him pretty early in this past draft class. Smith Schuster, though, you pointed out the big key thing when you talk about him. Not the most explosive athlete. He's not going to run a 4-3 like some of these other speedsters in the league. But he is he's big. He's got long arms. He's got a, a very big catch radius. A, a technician when you watch him run his routes, and that is what allows him to get open. The one interesting thing that I noticed when watching Smith Schuster is despite him having that size of being a primary X outside receiver, they really liked using him in the slot, and I think that created a lot of mismatches because he's fast enough to outrun linebackers, and he's too big to go against a slot corner if they come out in a nickel package. It's almost reminiscent to how Michael Thomas is used with the New Orleans Saints. Now, Smith-Schuster is not the same level of receiver as Michael Thomas, but it is a similar style of usage. You're going to see him in the slot. You're going to see him run some short underneath routes. You're also going to see him come across over the middle and catch some jump balls if needed. He is a guy that is not afraid of contact because he has very, very good hands. Yeah, that, that's a role you see quite a few teams using now. You mentioned Michael Thomas, which, you know, he is just on a different level at wide receiver right now. The Eagles have liked to use big slots. There have been a few other teams that have used the big slot and used them effectively. And it does create a lot of matchup problems because usually your slot receiver is a small, quick, shifty guy. Just looking at the Steelers' depth chart, it's easy to pin Deontay Johnson as their slot receiver because he's 5'10", 185, 190 pounds. Good route runner, quick guy. He looks like he should be their their slot receiver all the time, but he isn't. And that can put a defense in a bind when you're expecting the little guy and all of a sudden Juju's there. Exactly, and that is how a lot of these offenses now in the NFL, like you said, are trying to create mismatches and confusion by using a guy that is typically on the outside, putting him in the inside, and not really knowing how to handle covering a guy that is that that big and that has that good of hands. To our listeners who are on Twitter, give Juju a, a follow. He is a really entertaining guy. <laughs> yeah, he he might drive the Giants mad on Monday night, but he is a good follow on Twitter. <laughs> He also has a really fun YouTube page. I'm not sure if, if any of our listeners or you, Chris, have seen any of his videos, but he he's done some fun stuff. One of the things he did that I saw um, was he went full Pittsburgh Steelers gear when he re-enrolled in classes at USC. So he showed up to class in complete full gear and walked around campus and everything. Like he was hopping in on, on pickup soccer games in full Steelers. Like when I say full gear, it's not like he was wearing a t-shirt and shorts. The guy was wearing full pads uh, and helmet <laughs> while doing all that stuff. I don't know if you happen to see that, Chris. I haven't, but that is amazing. <laughs> uh, so minus his personality, though, Smith-Schuster is a very key receiver and player to watch in this offense. 
Another guy that seemed to have a bit of a drop-off year last year was James Conner, a gigantic running back, six foot one, two thirty for this Steelers team, took over the load for Le'Veon Bell when he was sitting out. But because he was a bit banged up from, I would honestly point at over usage and improper usage because they were so desperate to move the ball on the ground, he didn't play that many games. He only played in 10 and he only rushed for 464 yards. That doesn't really indicate how good of a running back he is. One thing with Connor, similar to Smith Schuster, is he is not a dynamic, explosive athlete. He is not like a, you know, a small jitterbug type guy like Alvin Kamara. No, this is a, a slower version of maybe a, a Derrick Henry in terms of size. He is big. He is powerful. He knows where to find those rushing lanes, and he will get those extra yards because he has that good explosiveness in terms of lower body strength and body control. Yeah, and you always have to be careful with guys who are strong and have really good contact balance because they are very difficult to bring down. And with Connor, he is he is a guy you have to commit to tackling, especially if he has a bit of a head of steam. Uh, you need to wrap him up and you have to hope friends are on their way because he does have that ability to run through arm tackles, to bounce off shoulder checks, and you need to wrap him up and it often takes two guys to bring him down. Last year, he wasn't breaking tackles at the same rate he was previously. But again, overuse, uh, being a bit banged up. But if he's healthy, he is going to break tackles. He's going to pick up yards after contact. And he does have a nose for the end zone. The thing with Connor that I see is he can take over a game, but he is one of the more easier running backs to scheme against and slow down just because if that initial cut is not there, he's not the type of player that can explode out of it and find and redirect. He's a little bit clunky and it's very easy to attack him and take him down. If you are assignment sound, if you mess up even the slightest bit, if one guy misses his assignment gets picked up on a double team and driven out of his spot or a linebacker misses his read. He is the type of guy that can pick up 10 to 15 yards with just a little bit of a rushing lane because he's going to power through desperate attempts to reach and grab an arm tackle. Now, the one thing with Connor here is you're going to have an improved season because of Ben Roethlisberger coming back. He only played two games last year and he really was the reason why they dropped off. They were shuffling between Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, and now you have Ben Roethlisberger back. The one thing that we were talking about before the show, Chris, is that even if Roethlisberger is a shell of himself at 38 years old, he is still good enough to operate that offense and allow it to be productive. Yeah, there are just so many playmakers, weapons, whatever term you want to use on the Steelers offense, that even if Ben is just a ball distributor, as long as he is making sound decisions, getting the ball out on time, and is reasonably accurate, there is a lot for a defense to worry about on this offense. You know, we talked about Juju. Uh, They added Chase Claypool, who has, from what I've been able to find out, been living up to or even exceeding the hype for him in training camp. They've got Deontay, Deontay Johnson, uh, they've got James Washington. They added Eric Ebron to 
Vance Joseph at tight end. So there are a lot of guys for Ben to go to. And one of the things that actually really surprised me when I was doing our Big Blue Views defensive preview of this game is Roethlisberger actually had the fastest time to throw in the NFL in 2018. He was actually getting the ball out quicker than Tom Brady or Drew Brees. He averaged just over two and a half seconds, 2.55 seconds from snap to throw. And he was still completing two thirds of his passes. So that's some really efficient quarterback play, which isn't a thing you typically think of when you think of Ben Roethlisberger. Right. He, he, despite, uh, you know, just assuming he is not this elite quarterback over the little bit end of his career, he is still very decisive and aggressive when playing the quarterback position. And I think that's his most underrated trait, his most biggest quality and best trait as a quarterback has to be the fact that he is so hard to take down. So this is a game where it can't be, we're going to grab a guy by, by the jersey and tug him down. If if Dexter Lawrence or Leonard Williams or Lorenzo Carter or Marcus Golden gets in there to put some pressure on Roethlisberger, this has to be a wrap-up game. Because if you know what Ben Roethlisberger has done in his career and still was able to do in 2018 and early in 2019, the dude is hard to take down because he is built like a freaking defensive lineman. So the Giants defensive line and pass rushers have to be on their stuff and not lazy when it comes to going after him because he will just walk out of a sack attempt and get the ball off to Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Conner, any of his guys. That is the thing you always have to watch with with Roethlisberger is he has that ability to just shrug off, disregard sack attempts from a lot of different often uh, sorry from a lot of different pass rushers. You know, I think the the last time the Giants played the Steelers in the regular season was 2016, and you know, we were talking before the show. Just thinking back, the only guy who could really consistently get Roethlisberger on the ground was Jason Pierre-Paul, and he was and is rare in his blend of size, arm length, and explosiveness. The Giants pass rushers, and I mean across the board, you know, from edge to interior to edge, and any blitzers they send, they're going to have to be serious when they hit, come to hit Roethlisberger. They they're not going to bring him down with a shoelace tackle. And the other thing that goes along with how difficult it is to tackle him, he is one of the most composed quarterbacks when dealing with pressure. And I think that all stems from the fact that he knows if you're going to hit him, you have to hit him really hard to do anything to actually disrupt him. He knows that he's big enough to deal with that pressure, that he will still be effective in getting his throws off. So transitioning to talking about now the offensive strengths for this Steelers team. This is a team that we don't know for sure what their identity is going to be because this is the first game of the season. But the one thing that you can point to over the past few seasons, and especially last year, is they have a very good offensive line. Their biggest strength to me is their offensive line and protecting the quarterback. Despite having some weak guys in there with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, they were still able to properly protect him with all of the guys across the board. Now, Chris, you've indicated here that David DeCastro might be out, but besides that, you still have Pouncey, you still have Villanueva, you've got a lot of really, really good 
veteran linemen who have been very consistent throughout their careers. That makes us want to talk about now, how will this Giants defensive line face off with this this veteran group for the Steelers? In the run game, they're definitely going to have to mind their P's and Q's. They're going to have to mind their run fits, occupy their gaps, play with good technique because this is, as you said, a veteran, well-coached offensive line. So if guys are off their mark, if they're off balance, if their leverage isn't right, they're going to get moved. And then, like you said with James Conner, if there's a guy who's out of position, Conner is going to be looking for daylight. You have to slow him down behind the line of scrimmage because it's really tough to slow him down past the line of scrimmage. And when it comes to pass protection, Marquise Pouncey has been in the game a long time. He isn't the center he used to be. He's no longer the best center in the league, but he's still pretty good. David DeCastro might be out, but I'm not sure that's exactly a weakness because the Steelers signed Stephen Wisniewski over the over the offseason, and that's a pretty good sixth man to have. You know, a guy who has been in the last two Super Bowls and has two rings to show for it. Giants defensive line is going to come out on top. They're going to have to rely on the fact that they are young, they're powerful, they're athletic, and they're going to have to show that they've taken step forward steps forward in their technique. Dexter Lawrence is massive and explosive. But against this offensive line, he is going to have to really use his hands well. Uh, Leonard Williams is going to have to finish his rushes. And the edge rushers, you mentioned Alejandro Villanueva. He is a really good left tackle. He is definitely a top 10 left tackle in this in, a, in this league. So whoever is going against him, they are going to have to bring their A game. Uh, Lorenzo Carter is going to have to use all all of his speed. He's going to have to use his length. O.J. Zimenez is going to have to use that great technique of his. Marcus Golden is going to have to use that motor of his. And I think Patrick Graham is going to have his work cut out for him, scheming pressure, but doing so in a way where the Giants players aren't thinking too much because they haven't played any games yet. That That's going to be a, a big thing for me. All the stuff that you just laid out, when you're facing such a, a veteran-laden group, you need to be on top of your stuff. You can't get overhyped when you make a big play because they're going to find ways to take advantage of your mistakes even if you are starting the game hot and strong and are able to beat them in one-on-one reps. They will find ways to work around you, especially with this very, very young group that the Giants have. The other thing too, Chris, that's very notable, and we've already talked about it a ton, is just the, the general diversity of how many different weapons they have. They have Juju, Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Eric Ebron, Vance McDonald, James Conner. It, it is across the board a very, very talented group that Ben Roethlisberger has his way to work work the ball to. Now, when we're talking about weaknesses, the one that sticks out to me was their lack of ability to run the football last season. They had to lean on it because Ben Roethlisberger was out. They could not have a normal, balanced approach to playing offense because they didn't have their quarterback. I think it's pretty safe to say that this is not going to be the case, but now it begs the question, how will the run game be different if they're able to throw the ball more effectively? Well, just having that passing game be available, be a threat, that gives the defense that much more it has to worry about. You know, you can't put eight men in the box and trust that 
Hodges or Mason Rudolph are going to, th- you know, you're not going to tr- be able to force them to try to win the game with their arm because we know Roethlisberger can do that. And yes, he's 38. Yes, he only played in two games last year. He's probably going to be rusty, but you have to expect that a guy that veteran is going to come at you with his best. So you can't just say, okay, Big Ben, beat us throwing the ball because he'll say, okay, you know, having that threat of a passing game there, that's going to lead to more neutral boxes, more light boxes, just because you have to defend Juju, you have to defend Claypool, you have to defend Eric Ebron. And then that's going to put just that much more in the linebackers and defensive line. Right. I would not expect the same lackluster rushing attack that we saw in 2019. This is going to be very different and much more powerful with a strong balance now that there is uh, Ben Roethlisberger returning. We're going to transition our conversation to the Steelers' defense. Before we do so, folks, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Chris, this Steelers defense might be better than their offense by actually a decently sized margin. The guy that you have to talk about immediately, a defensive player of the year candidate, TJ Watt. Last season, he had 14 and a half sacks, 36 quarterback hits. That number is correct, folks. That is nothing fake about that statistic right there. And eight forced fumbles, which was the most in Steelers franchise history. This is a guy that is disruptive. He is hard to block, and he is facing off against right tackles primarily. So he is going to be the premier premier matchup against Cam Fleming in this game, who is expected to start at right tackle. When I watch TJ Watt, the thing that sticks out to me that he does very, very well is that he's technical. He is very surgical about his approach. And the one thing that I see him do time and time again, that for some reason guys just can't block is his rip move. What he does is he dips his, his right shoulder. So tackles are forced to play his pad level lower. And once they come down to him, he explodes and rips up and is too explosive and powerful for anyone to really make any final initial contact when trying to block him. So TJ Watt is going to be a huge, huge matchup for Cam Fleming this week. Yeah, and that's not a matchup I think anyone wants. 
when you can have a pass rusher who is the kind of athlete that TJ Watt is, which is, you know, the word gets tossed around a lot, but legitimately elite. Uh, I'm looking at his combine measurement measurements right now among edge rushers, 94th percentile in the short shuttle, 98th percentile in the three cone drill, 96th percentile in the broad jump, 87th in the vertical, uh, 81st in the 40 yard dash. When you have a guy who has that level of athleticism, who is also a technician who can play with his pad level like that. And, you know, low man wins when you can have explosive athleticism and leverage. That is just, that is a nightmare scenario for pretty much any offensive lineman. So the giants, and this is not an ideal situation. The giants are probably going to have to commit a double team to TJ Watt almost every passing play. Otherwise, there is a good chance he is going to wreck it. Or you need to direct all your attention to the opposite side of the field and get the ball out really, really quickly. The other thing, too, actually, this I don't even know why I was going to bring this up. This doesn't work against TJ Watt. I was going to say maybe relieve some pressure against screens, but when you watch TJ Watt, he's very, very aware of what's going on. He picks up on that stuff very, very well. So you, you could very well end up throwing into a screen in his direction that he is smart enough and quick enough to pick up. So he, he is a tough, tough guy to play against on that left side of their defense, the right side for the Giants offense. It also doesn't help that not only is he going opposite of Bud Dupree, who was very productive last year, but he is also in the same linebacker group as Devin Bush, who was an explosive rookie last season and had 109 tackles. He's not a big guy. He's only about 5'11", 235 pounds, but he is fast. He is all over the place, and he is explosive. Yeah, I I was a really big fan of Devin Bush coming out. Yeah, I actually had him rated right there, neck and neck, with Devin White coming out of LSU. Yeah, he isn't the... He isn't nearly as big as White, but he is just like... He is almost like the Tasmanian devil at linebacker. He is just everywhere. You know, that 109 tackles, that's not a fluke. That wasn't just, those weren't mop-up tackles. He gets in on plays, and he will come across the field to get in on them. And he is a guy the Giants have to keep track of, have to be aware of, because if the Giants are going to be getting explosive plays, odds are they'll be getting them from Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. And... Bush will be the guy who's going to be responsible for those guys, you know, depending on the alignment, defensive play call, field, you know, all of those factors. But if the Giants are going to be going to Barkley or Ingram, they have to know where Devin Bush is. Otherwise, he could very well break up that play before it has a chance to be an explosive one. And because he has Stefan Tuitt and Cam Hayward in the middle, clogging up lanes in front of him, Devin Bush is pretty much free to roam wherever he wants to go. It is not easy to move any of those interior defensive linemen, making things so much harder when having to scheme around Devin Bush and trying to eliminate him from making a play close to the line of scrimmage. The other key piece here is Minka Fitzpatrick has to be a guy that is brought up, a player that they traded for during the season last year from Miami, 
was not really being used properly, comes to the Steelers and immediately starts lighting things up. Coming for heads really solidified this defense being that missing piece they needed at safety. He is a very, very strong tackler. He flies all over the place. He is very, very wily. You know why Nick Saban loved using him so much when he was still at, uh, at Alabama. But the big thing here is how effective he is on passing plays. Five interceptions last year, nine passes defense, and I would chalk that up to him being a guy that knows where he needs to be, right place at the right time, and overall very, very good awareness. Yeah, definitely. I, I suppose the if there is an upside is that Patrick Graham knows him. You know, he coached him before Fitzpatrick was traded to the Steelers. Uh, he, he at least knows how he thinks, what he likes to do. So maybe the Giants can put him in positions that are uncomfortable. But really, he is a very well-rounded player. He is really good at what he does. He wasn't a fit for the role Graham wanted for him as kind of a Swiss Army knife fireman just play all over the secondary. But just in the role he has found in Pittsburgh, he, again, is another guy you have to be aware of. You have to know where he is, and you cannot take him lightly because he will at best break up the play. And you know th- those five interceptions were not accidents. Those weren't lucky picks. No, they, it's not like the ball was falling into his hands. He knows where he can be to make those plays. Once he sees things happening, he reacts properly, which I think makes him one of the more underrated young safeties in the NFL. In terms of strengths, there's so few things that you can talk about that aren't strengths for this defense. They led the league in sacks with Dupree and TJ Watt leading the way. They finished with 54 total sacks in the NFL. That is a very elite group, not to mention the back end that they were able to perform overall as a very, very good elite pass defense. They had one of the best statistical defenses when defending the pass last season. The other thing, too, that makes things complicated is they had one of the top rushing defenses only allowing 3.8 yards per carry. So this now makes us wonder, Are the Steelers, the Steelers are built so well up front, will this group with that whole front seven, overwhelm the Giants' offensive line in their very first game as a new unit? Um, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure Daniel Jones certainly hopes not, and I, I'm pretty sure Saquon Barkley certainly hopes not. The Giants' offensive line definitely has their work cut out for them. This isn't the worst matchup for them this year. I think that might be the 49ers, who they'll see a little bit later in the season. This is definitely a bad matchup for an offensive line where you have three guys at really the three most important positions who, you know, are two of them have never played the position before at the NFL level, and the other is a career backup. I think Mark Colombo really has his work cut out for him, coaching this coaching this line up, making sure they are coherent and functioning not as five players, but as one single unit. Because I think that is how they're going to avoid being overwhelmed. That if they are just one offensive line instead of five players. Because if it's five players, from edge to edge, 
the Steelers match up well. The other thing that kind of worries me a little bit with this new Giants offensive line group, and you, and you highlighted a lot of the things that we need to worry about the, this upcoming game, you have possibly and most likely a new center, Nick Gates, in the middle. You have two new tackles that have never played for the Giants before, Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Cam Fleming at right tackle, and you're returning your two guards. That's three new faces, and the guy that is responsible for understanding all of the slide protections every single play. There is going to be a lot going on, and if they don't come to play and set the tone early, that game and and the offense could struggle tremendously immediately in this game. They need to come out firing on, on all cylinders. They need to be assignment sound. They cannot get overwhelmed despite having to deal with such an aggressive front seven group. Now, Chris, here comes the complicated part because I'd like every single week to have a weakness to talk about, but this has to be one of the few teams that we're talking about defensively that does not really have much of a weakness. If we were to point out one, however, their corners are the weaker group on their team. Still very good. You have Joe Hayden, who is 31, aging a little bit, still a very, very good corner. Steven Nelson, who we didn't know a ton about, but it turns out he is analytically based on pro football focuses grades, very, very good in man coverage. So you have two good outside corners. They're good, but they're the weaker parts of this team. Not actually a weakness, but still they are very good. And this is something to still be aware of. If the Giants did want to attack them, I think that this is the most attackable group out of any on the on their defensive unit. Yeah, you, you have to be very careful in how you go after these guys because, you know, Joe Hayden, like you said, 31, he wasn't he wasn't a an elite, quote unquote elite athlete when he was younger. And you know, age, injuries, you, you get get a little bit banged up. Yeah, you know, he might not be able to run with Darius Slayton. Steven Nelson, he is a very good man corner. Maybe the Giants can take the fact that they are this is a good press man duo. And use almost use that against them and scheme some man coverage beaters. Uh, use passing concepts that it's just difficult for a player running man coverage to keep up with it. Uh, tosser concepts, um, smash concepts, things like that, where you either create a natural pick or put that corner in some sort of conflict to basically scheme a receiver open because if the Giants let Hayden and Nelson if they let them dictate the level of physicality dictate the matchups in the passing game uh, it's going to be difficult finding open players I 100% agree with that that is going to be very very important for getting guys open against a a pretty good pass defense. The other thing, too, that might be an effective approach when facing a team that is built well up front and very good on the back end at safety and decent at above average, let's say, at at corner, it seems like it's our go-to when talking about this this young Giants offense like, like it was last year. I think that if they want to be productive throwing the ball, 
They need to keep everything quick. They need to get the ball out of Daniel Jones's hands as quickly as possible. I know that's a little counterintuitive when talking about the Air Coriel. That's a lot of deep drops, a lot of trying to stretch the field. That might not work very well this game. I, Jason Garrett needs to be effective and smart in knowing, all right, they're going to be all over us. They're going to send as much pressure as possible because last year we saw Daniel Jones not do so hot when dealing with aggressive pressure and being hit. He fumbled a lot. He threw interceptions in those situations. So the Giants now counter move to that instead of just going out there and doing what they want to do. The counter needs to be, we're going to get the ball out of his hands quickly. We're going to use passing concepts that maybe on the back end have some deep stuff to Darius Slayton, but but a, a primary dump off, a easy outlet in the event of serious issues, and also telling Daniel Jones, if you see anything that looks like serious pressure coming your way and you think something is com- coming, be ready just to get the ball out, dump it off to Saquon Barkley, do the things that are effective and worked well for Eli Manning, just get the ball out of your hands. Do not let them attack you and make you a sitting duck. Get it out of your hands, make the smart decision, don't force the football, keep things quick. Yeah, and make use of Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, and Caden Smith. Those guys, I think that they might not have great matchups of everybody. I think they have the best matchups and it's not easy, but easier for a running back or a tight end to get quick separation just based on their alignment and the guys they're usually matched up against. Uh, You can have Barkley run angle routes or wheel routes. You can take advantage of play action and, you know, maybe when it comes to the running game, use some read option. I, I don't think the Giants really want Daniel Jones to be carrying the ball a whole lot as a runner because, well, that's a good way to get him hurt. However, read option is a good way to take a defender out of the game, effect- effectively take him out of the game and start playing 11 on 10 offense. Maybe the Giants can do that as a way to slow down the Steelers pass rush to maybe put some doubt in their mind where if Jones is putting the ball in Barkley's stomach, they don't know if he's going to pull it out and throw it. They don't know if he's going to pull it out and run it. And I think that might be their best bet. Just, you know, maybe not go back to that well too much. Otherwise, the Steelers are just going to start teeing off on Jones, regardless of whether he has the ball or not. Another thing, too, that I would consider to be a bit old school that that might work effectively with this offensive style, and you talked about a little bit using tight ends to your advantage. The other thing that we've seen in the past when you're dealing with good pass rushing outside linebackers on the edge, what you can do is come out with heavy tight end sets, put two tight ends to one side, maybe two tight ends to the side that TJ Watt is on what that then does, even if they're not blocking him and they're running routes, it extends the edge that TJ Watt has to, to, to handle. He has to come from a further distance to get upfield to go around those tight ends. The other thing, too, is you could almost use them as a dummy route, not a completely useless route, but when they have to release, they can bump TJ Watt, slow him down a little bit, just almost as if it's a pick. That kind of stuff can be enough to slow down these pass rushers and allow Daniel Jones to have maybe a little bit more time. I think a lot of those things, using tight ends effectively, is going to be a very, very big key when when facing off in general with a very, very good defense. 
Yeah, the the Giants are going to have to be careful with how they attack this Steelers defense. Yeah, I think the hardest thing about it is just because of how how well built it is from back to front to front to back, they're not going to be able to run the offense they want to run. And that that puts pretty much any play caller, any offense or defense, if they can't do what they want to do, what they're built to do, that puts them in a tough place. But there are ways they can go about it, ways they can go about attacking, moving the ball and scoring points. Well, folks, hopefully that is enough to clearly indicate the full scouting report breakdown of the Pittsburgh Steelers for you. As you can tell, this is going to be a very, very tough first game for the Giants. They're very talented on both sides of the football. They have elite position groups on various sides, not all the way through on their roster, but there are a couple spots, as you can tell from what we talked about, where they are very, very elite. The Giants are going to need to play very well early in this game if they want to win it. And make sure you pay attention to all these things that we pointed out to you when watching the game this upcoming Monday. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. If you did, please hit that subscribe button as well as dropping us a review. Also, follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at RaptorMKII for Chris, and also Big Blue View at Big Blue View. Also go to our website, BigBlueView.com for more news and analysis on the New York Giants. Finally, folks, make sure you stay tuned for Monday as we will be tuning in for the first game of the New York Giants season.